Today's scripture reading is from Joshua, book 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful." I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for scripture this morning and the scripture that we're going to uncover today. Good morning, Ebenezer Church 1115. How are you? I'm sorry, 915. I want to be here with you, I promise. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun, though, I got to admit. <laughs> we do that sometimes, but it's okay. Grace abounds. <laughs> Amen. Uh, my name is Pastor Donovan. I have a, 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 the pleasure of, of just being in worship with you and, uh, and, and going through this message. This is an incredible message, and I found this to be an incredible series. Uh, we're uncovering some of the key dynamics and essentials for bi- biblical, but not only biblical, but Christian leadership. Um, there's this idea, right, that we, that the life that each of us have, that means both you and I, the life that we live is the life that we lead. When you pass away from this earth, people will talk about how great you were. People will talk about the love that you have for individuals. Maybe it's some of the things that you said or a quote that you said oftentimes that deeply resonated with people. Or maybe it's the way that you showed up on a job. Maybe it was the way you loved your children or the managerial position that you served in that really brought uh, love and awareness and a deep sense of care to those in which you lead. Regardless of all those, where some, a lot of us are called to different particular places of leadership, but exploring the idea of Christian leadership, biblical leadership, means that we are a different type of leader in the world. In fact, it calls for us to lean into and to live into and to explore a different dynamic of what it means to be a person of faith who leads in the world, or in our homes, or in our jobs, or in our neighborhoods, or in our community. You see, this isn't any ordinary leadership. As people of faith, we're called to a different type of leadership, a different dynamic of leadership. So in our leadership series, Leadership Highlighted, we explore all the ways that God calls for us to be leaders who who are inspired by God, who are groomed and shaped and molded by Jesus Christ, and then empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
and all these dynamics that we've uncovered today. I'm excited to share with you uh, our third dynamic in, uh, in leadership that's highlighted, which is courageous leadership. Today we're going to look at and explore Joshua's leadership as he led the Israelites to the place that God had encouraged him and it had told him and instructed him and commissioned him to lead God's people so that they could experience God and so that the people will know exactly who they are and whose they are. I'm excited to explore courageous leadership with you today. Let's say a prayer. God, we are so grateful for the ways that you make us courageous. We are so grateful for the way that you speak into our lives, for the way that you are present with us now and you will be present with us thereafter, hereafter. We're grateful for all the things that you will teach and show us today through this text. And God, inspire our hearts and do something deep in our hearts that Pastor Donovan was never designed to do and in fact can't do. But do something that only you could do, God. Go in the place of the human heart of all of those gathered here today, God, and even online, to the the place where only you can go and do the thing that only you can do, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm excited about this leadership series and as we continue to, as we continue to go through it. And in fact, whenever I think about leadership, whenever I begin to explore the topic of leadership, I think about all that I could become. And I also think about along with that who I was prior to who I am right now in light of this sermon series. Getting all these good pieces of information and all these good nuggets on what it truly means to be a God-led, God-sent leader in the world. But I got to admit, I I didn't always have these kind of key fundamentals of what it meant to be a spiritual leader or a God-led leader in the world. In fact, I thought leadership came with juice that came from another place. Do you all remember the 1996 movie Space Jam? Let's talk about it today. (laughs) By show of hands, let's see that again. Uh, Comment online if you've seen Space Jam. If you're not familiar with Space Jam, let me humor you today. Uh-oh. Let me hear you today. Space Jam is a movie about a famous basketball and baseball player. His name is Michael Jordan. And in actual real life, he is one of the world's uh, most talented and well-skilled and well-loved uh, athletes. He's both the bas- baseball player in real life and a basketball player. Um, his stats are incredible. Michael Jordan, um, in the film Space Jam, ends up in Looney Tune world. That means he is getting ready to do life with the likes of Bugs Bunny and Tweety Bird. Come on. Tweety Bird? Remember Tweety Bird? (laughs) Tweety Bird and Sylvester the Cat and a few other and a few other Looney Tune characters. While he's golfing, he is sucked into this Looney Tune this Looney Tune world where he is asked to join the Looney Tunes on a basketball team where they will defeat this e- defeat this group of evil powers or evil uh, monsters and aliens who have taken over the Looney Tune world. You tracking? <laughs> so he gets sucked in and he is invited to play basketball and he eventually does play basketball. And so what they say is these these evil powers, these evil uh, monsters, what they say is that if you don't play basketball, and in fact, if you don't win, then you will be put in bondage. You'll be put in captivity or you'll be put in slavery. So Michael Jordan uh, does all he can to help the Looney Tunes win this basketball game against the monsters, these evil powers of the 
world, these people who promise that, uh, who promises that they will be put in slavery, that they'll work for the rest of their lives. Well, these amateur basketball players, the Looney Tunes, and Michael Jordan, who's a pro basketball star, uh, plays basketball against these real scary people. And as they're playing basketball, they get to halftime where they figure out that they are not as good as they thought they were. They have lost a lot of their energy. They're uh, they're falling short on their skills. They're falling short of plays in order to defeat this evil kingdom, this evil alien force. And they are pooped. They are drained. They realize that they feel defeated. Well, Bugs Bunny, my favorite guy. Bugs Bunny goes to the water fountain. He uh, puts water into a water bottle and he labels it Mike's secret stuff. Mike's secret stuff. And the idea here is Bugs Bunny (laughs) seeks to give this water to the Looney Tunes in hopes that they would see this Mike's secret stuff, which is really just water in the first place, as this sort of antidote (laughs) to to resolve a lot of their basketball playing skills. Or it would help give them some sort of magical strength or magical power that will help up their game so that they could defeat the Monstars. Well, number one, it was just water. (laughs) It was just water. And here they are, the Looney Tunes. They believe in their heart that what they're drinking is the juice, is the power, is the sauce, is the secret stuff that it takes to be the big, bad basketball players that they are not. So I thought one time in my life at a certain point that there was a secret sauce, that there was secret stuff that it took in order to be Uh, In order to be a leader, in order to be God's leader, in order to be this powerful leader that is represented in the Bible. How is it that we become like the likes of those who we read about and hear about in our faith? Is there a secret sauce? Or is there a way that we could grow into our identity as Christian leaders, as people of faith who are called to lead lead people in our lives? You see, the truth is... There is no secret sauce. (laughs) There is no secret stuff. There is no magic water that helps us to grow into the leader. But I would say today, in light of Joshua's story and Joshua's leadership, that there are about three essential things that I think God is calling for courageous leaders to have and to own in our pluralistic world. In our dualistic society, in a world that so badly needs the work and the spirit of Jesus Christ, the work of God, I think that there are some essential things that we can learn from Joshua's story that we could get, that we could gain, that we could own in order to become the courageous leaders that God calls us to be. Are you ready for it? Amen. Before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about Joshua. The book of Joshua is believed to be written by Joshua himself. Uh, Joshua is a young man who had found himself uh, in leadership next to Moses, this man who led the Israelites, um, hundreds of thousands of people through the what's called the Red Sea near Israel. The Red Sea was parted and to be and was made dry so that this group of people who were in bondage and slavery could walk through to a promised land that was once promised uh, to them by God. You see, centuries before that point, God had spoke to a man named Abraham. You probably have heard of him if you've grown up in church, uh, the father of many nations, or a man that God blessed greatly with skills and abilities and even children's and generations of a very blessed people. God had told Abraham in um, in early ages 
in the early ages that he will be blessed not only with the people and generations, but he also will be blessed with the land for his own people. That that Abraham's people, also known as God's people, will not only have a land prepared for them, but will also have an identity marked on their heart and marked on themselves, be labeled and become labeled as God's own people, God's own children. Well, at one point in time, God's own children found themselves lost. They also found themselves in Egyptian captivity. They were sold into slavery and had spent 400 years there. Well, God spoke to Moses, a person who's in Abraham's lineage, and told him that I want you to deliver my people. I want you to go and do a very hard thing. Go and speak to the powers of the world that be, that exist, and tell those powers to let my people go. You probably have heard that too. So Moses does it. He goes and he does this very hard thing in his courageous leadership, scared and frightened, but also willing, having a heart and mind and spirit that's willing to understand what God is wanting to do by letting his people go from captivity and leading them to a place where they could truly experience God, where God could be their God, and those people could experience and understand the type of God that they serve. Well, after that, Moses leads the people through these waters. And after Moses leads the people through the waters from one end to the next, they end up in this place called a wild place or the wilderness where they plant for 40 years. You see, the scripture uses the word wander, but if, but if you look back, some of the Jewish iteration, um, some of the Hebrew iterations or Greek iterations would say that they just planted or they replanted or they dispersed into different places around the land of Canaan. They were told that they were to take over the land of Canaan because that was the land that was promised to them. And Moses was supposed to be this leader who was to lead them to this exact place. Well, Moses only led them part of the way because they found themselves roaming and planting and replanting and having children and more children and generations popping up for 40 years around the land that was promised to them. You see, they never had t- they never took over the land. They never even passed through the land. For what reason? Maybe they were afraid. Maybe it was the power. Maybe the powers to be in that place were too powerful for them to overtake. Maybe they were unaware of the place that God was sending them, and they thought that the place where they were wandering was an okay place. But God didn't think so. God knew that there was more that he wanted for his people who bore his name and who had his identity. He wanted to finish the mission that was once started with Abraham and then put into the hands of Moses. But now God is raising up a leader or had raised up a leader named Joshua, a kid who had journeyed with Moses, had gone up to the mountain with Moses and had taken hold of the Ten Commandments and brought them back down and given them to the people. A person who was the mentee to Moses. Is this kid, this young adult even, who's going to take up the mantle of Moses as Moses is getting ready to die and do this very hard thing of seeing out the mission. Well, this mission, here's the ambiguity, involves a series of wars and fights and fighting that the people of Israel must do, that they must engage in to be in the place where God has them. A lot of people have struggled reconciling God and citing a lot of these wars and fighting and fights that actually take place in Joshua, trying to reconcile, trying to reconcile the ethical issue of God inciting war. 
But the way that we think about it, the way that we approach this text is God making a place for his people, number one, but then also God driving out unrighteousness so that God could place God's own people who were supposed to be righteous in a place where God wanted to be their God, their Lord. So God calls Joshua forward. He calls him forward and he is appointed by some of the elders and is appointed by Moses. And in Numbers 27, here is what God says to Moses as this Joshua, this kid Joshua steps up into leadership and is about to take the people of Israel into the place where God has called them to. It says, and take the Lord's and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man who is in and of the spirit. And lay your hand upon him and cause for him to stand before Eleazar, the priest, and all of the congregation, and then commission him in their sight. You shall invest in him with your authority that all of the congregation of the people of Israel may obey and see that I am their God. A hard task that God gives Joshua. A scary task, a huge ask of this young adult to lead hundreds of thousands of people, to convince them of their own identity, to tell them about the land that God is bringing them into, to inspire something new in their lives, to lead an entire generation of people, a hard thing to do, to give them a new place to exist, to reset their minds. The Harvard Business Review would call this an adaptive challenge. The challenge of not truly recognizing what the true problem of one state is, but knowing that there's some deeply needed change that has to take place or some deeply needed changes that must occur in order for you to make some deeply needed changes within an organization or within a structure. Joshua is getting ready to make adaptive, is is getting ready to do adaptive change, not a technical change where he could, (laughs) where he could just build a bridge. Or he could tell the people, just take over the land. Or let's just go around, let's just go around the city and go to another place. But an adaptive challenge where he has to change the hearts and the minds of the people so that they may understand who God is and who God is calling them to be and then be led to the place where God is calling them to be and live. So in light of this, what are the essentials to courageous leadership as Joshua is called to be a courageous leader? What are the essential things from this unit of scripture that we could be inspired by as modern day believers and Christians and people of faith as we too are seeking to have and to own and to build and work within ourselves a sense of courage for God, a sense of courage for Christ in the world? What are the things that are needed for us to be the people who God is calling us to be? I want to share that with you today. Number one, the first thing in light of Joshua's story that I think that we could learn is that courageous leaders hear from God. I want to encourage you to write that down. Courageous leaders hear from God. You see, I have this deeply held belief that God is willing to speak to us if only we are willing to listen. I believe that God is always pursuing after us, <laughs> having God's self to, to be, to, having God's self to pursue us constantly and in fact daily so that God could speak to us directly, sharing with us who God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do. 
I believe that God is always pursuing us, wanting to have our ear so that God could speak to us about who God is, about what God is wanting to work in us. What fruit God is wanting us to bear in our lives. I have this deeply held belief that God is wanting us to recognize the things that are happening in our world. The things that are happening in our homes, in our workplaces, even in our churches. To speak to us about those things so that deep, so that God could reveal some deep, deep spiritual things to us. So that God could also make us more aware of our purpose for where we show up. And our purpose for how we show up. So I ask the question, how are we listening to God? Have we been listening to God? And if we have, what are the ways we have been? Have we been listening to God with our eyes closed and our mouths open? Or have we been listening to God with our ears open and our mouths shut? Sometimes we can speak faster than we can listen. And that sometimes can hinder us from deeply listening to the spiritual place that sometimes God calls us to be. We call that spiritual location. It's a thermometer or a barometer or some measuring device that helps to determine where we are in life and how well we're doing, how hot we are or how cold we are. What's our temperature within our spiritual location, within our spiritual atmosphere? Are we in the place where we are hearing what God is, that we're, where we're hearing what God is saying to us? And that we're doing the things that God is leading us to do. When we listen to God, I believe that it's easy to just have our ears open and to hear what God will say about the weather or who will win the playoffs if if those are our prayers. (laughs) But then it's another thing to listen deeply to God to get a deep sense of purpose, to understand our calling, to have a deep sense of awareness about the world that we live in and the people around us, the people who God has placed in our path. Or perhaps a deep change that God wants to work in us. A deep change that God may be wanting to work in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. We pray about renewal, but listening to God and being able to hear from God is the actual place where we can hear that. And this doesn't take courage, but it does take a sense of willingness. A willingness to hear what is it that God, what is it that God may want to say? How might God want to say this particular thing? Are there people that God wants, that God wants me to reach? Am I wandering in a stuck place like the Israelites? Am I frightened perhaps about what God will tell me to do or the places God will call me to go? Or am I concerned about the things that God will take away from me or the person that God will mold or shape me into? Or am I curious about that? Am I curious and in awe about what God has wanted to do in my life in a deep place? Are our ears open? Are our minds and spirits and hearts open to hear from God what God might be wanting to say? So number one, three essential things for courageous leaders. Courageous leaders hear from God. The second thing. Courageous leaders are spiritually led and courageous leaders spiritually lead others. Courageous leaders are spiritually led and they spiritually lead others. Here's my other deeply held belief. I'm just going to pour out my beliefs to you today. (laughs) Here's my other deeply held belief. I have this deeply held belief that we are accountable to someone and to something 
But then also we are accountable for something and someone or some people. Let me give you an example. We are accountable to God. God is the one who is responsible. Christ is the one who is responsible for making sure that we get the fruit in us that we need to be the light and the hands and feet of Christ in this world. From Jesus Christ, from God, we gain peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control, love, humility, even joy. Those are the things that are worked in us as we spend time with God, abiding with God. We get fruit when God is accountable for us. God is so much concerned with us that God wants to transform us and renew us, to shape us, to mold us, to inspire us, to enlighten us, to give us revelation, to make us more aware of who he's creating us to be and then what he's calling us to do. God is responsible for us. But then also God puts people in our place that are also responsible for us. Like that mentor you had or a coach that you had that helped show you some real deep stuff or a counselor or a pastor, a spiritual advisor, a a person who's responsible for your well-being, for your sense of wholeness and wellness. You see, I believe that those two entities, those two people or persons or even people groups are responsible for the way that we experience wholeness, but also the ways that in which we are made whole. God is responsible for us. But then on the other end, we are responsible for someone and for something. That God, as God is responsible for us, gives us a task or an assignment. But then also God gives us people who are in our sphere of influence. There are only so many people that Pastor Donovan could reach. And there are only so many people that you could reach. There are only so many people who God has placed on your path to help spiritually lead. Whether that's your family. For me, Pastor Donovan, that's my wife and two kids. I'm responsible for their well-being, their growth. How they see themselves in the world. How they show up in the world. How they grow and mature spiritually. I'm responsible for them. But then also God called me to this church and I'm responsible for making sure too that, that all of us are growing together in Christ. That, that you too and me develop and get the spiritual fruit that we need in order to be effective in our lives, in order to be the people and the person that God called us to be. You see, we are responsible for someone as well. That courageous leadership takes being accountable to someone, but then also accountable for someone. We're accountable for being spiritually led, but then also spiritually leading others. This was Joshua's assignment. Joshua was, Joshua was responsible and had this call to get all of what he needed to lead the Israelites. And to do this very tough task, but then also had this responsibility to teach them and to tell them about what God has done for them in years past. To remind them of this, but then to also lead them into the future. So courageous leaders are number one, they they hear from God, but then they also are spiritually led and they spiritually lead others. And then lastly, courageous leaders lead even when it's not their own mission. When it's not our mission, we can lead and we're called to lead in that space.
Just like with Joshua, it wasn't his, it wasn't his own mission, but it began with Moses having that mission first. And then Joshua was commissioned after Moses' death to go ahead and finish out the task. You see, it's easy for us to develop our own idea of how we think things should go. That's actually human nature. That's not like a bad thing that one person does. Like that's human nature. Like I remember I had this job that I coveted so bad. I'll tell you about a time Pastor Donovan was jealous. (laughs) I was so jealous of a person that had a job that I loved. And in fact, I even judged that position. I said, well, if I had that job. I would do this differently <laughs> or I would I would say this differently if I had that job. And if ever I was brought into the position, I would change up some things to make sure that my role, my position, my work looked different from the person, the other persons. But courageous leaders can develop and can work within themselves and can have and pray for the humility that it takes to continue the mission regardless of where you sit. You see, I was also a part of the mission, although I wasn't in the position that I coveted. I was still called to be a part of the mission. And if there was ever a time where I was called to be in the position, that wasn't a time to change up the mission or to switch things around. Yes, I could do it differently according to my giftedness, but the mission remains the same. And for Joshua, he gets this mission from from Moses, from God, and he doesn't change the mission. He keeps the mission of leading the people exactly where God commissioned for them to go. And for courageous leaders, I think it's true of us too. That even if it's not our mission, we can still lead. Even if it's not our own calling, we can still come alongside other people with their calling. Courageous leaders can do this. This is the place, I believe, where the work of trust and faith in God comes to play where it's worked within us humility and the ability to trust God and our capacity to even see things differently. That's where that happens. Courageous leaders. Courageous leaders hear from God. Courageous leaders are spiritually led and they spiritually lead others. And courageous leaders can lead even when it's not their mission. So what's the point? Ask me that. Finally, right? (laughs) That courageous leaders must learn to do three things. The other pastors came up with some acronyms, but I'm just going to give you this today. I'm going to give you this today. Um, it's not stop, drop, and roll, which is in emergency situations you're taught to do a lot of times. <laughs> but it's these three words. Stop, look, and listen. Can you say that with me? Stop, look, and listen. Mighty. Stop and pay attention to where God has brought you from. What God has done. But then also live in awe about what God could do. Stop for a moment and realize, take note of what your spiritual location is, where you are in life. What's the temperature? Are you doing well? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is something broken? Are you in a stuck place? Are you in the wilderness wandering? Stop. Look for signs of God. Look for echoes of God's voice. Look for echoes of God's presence in your life. Look also for what God might be calling you to do or the needs in your home or community or with your family or on your job. And listen for exactly what it is that God is calling you to do about it and the way that God is calling you to do it. Amen. He said with me again, stop, look and listen. The Lord be with you.